Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello, and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name's Jamie Loftus. My name's Caitlin Durante. And this is our podcast about the representation of women in movies. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. Uh, Jamie, would you say that the representation of women in movies is like generally like pretty good? I wouldn't. Or, yeah, oh, I wouldn't say that. Wow. Yeah. Interesting <laughs> Just a general, very, very bad. How many episodes have we been going for now? Five million? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the general consensus. Oh, this comes as a surprise to me, but uh, I'm interested to hear more. It's okay. I have to 50 first dates you every morning and <laughs> remind you. <laughs> that the why haven't we done that movie oh god that movie would do so i've never seen it it's very fucked up but i really loved it when it came out i thought it was the most romantic thing ever it's spoiler alert adam sandler has to show drew barrymore this like weird dvd he made to like tell her it's 2006 yeah or something every morning and he's like so all this stuff happened the clinton administration is over also 9-11 happened also arnold schwarzenegger is in office like it's <laughs> the the events he chooses to cover and the order is so wild it's an insane yeah. movie but I really liked it when it came out. But almost, I almost never want to see it again, just so I can. Well, we're, we we got to cover it. So sorry, 50. but you got to see it again. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Shout out to all my fifty first dates. Does that heads. mean it'll be a hundred first dates for you? It'll be, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Two laps of first dates. Um, <sighs> so we use the Bechtel test we as sure as a as a way to initiate a larger conversation about women in film and the Bechtel test, if you're not familiar, is a media test uh, created by Alison Bechtel. Mm -hmm. It requires that a piece of media has two female identifying characters. They have to have names. They must speak to each other, and their conversation cannot be about men. And for our standard, it's a, a just a two-line exchange. Very low bar, and yet it still does not happen nearly enough. Yeah. So that's so, what we're working with here. 
I'm excited for the the movie we're talking about today. It's one of your favorites, am I correct? Yeah, I would say that it's one of my favorites. Well, Although, upon this rewatch, I was like, oh boy. Uh-oh. Some, <laughs> some stuff. Some things happen. But before we get into it, let's introduce our guests. Yay. We've got today, very exciting, uh, the hosts of Malton on Movies podcast. It's Jesse and Leonard Malton. Hello. 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 Uh, can I tell you when I first became aware of this? Yeah. It was as a parent. When I started taking Jessie to movies when she was a little girl, and I became alarmed at the lack of role models Mm -hmm. for her. Yeah. I don't know how enlightened you would rate me as being. (laughs) I like to think I am. Uh And so when Jessie was growing up, we'd go to these Saturday morning or Sunday morning screenings that they have here in L.A. for family-friendly movies. That's how they have their media screenings. Mm Mm-hmm. One time we went to see The Karate Kid Part 3. Classic. A film yes. <laughs> that no one would call a classic. <laughs> and How dare that you. That got re- generally poor reviews. Mm-hmm. But Hilary Swank is a key character in that yeah. movie. She's the lead. Oh. Along with Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I came out with a different point of view about that movie than almost any of my critic colleagues, Mm -hmm. because I was watching it through her eyes. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, it's not a very good movie, but it has a nice lesson, a nice moral for her. I liked the takeaway from that movie. That was my first kind of, I don't know if you call it an epiphany, but it was a realization that if you're trying to be a responsible parent, Mm -hmm. an enlightened parent, and especially in this case, the parent of a daughter, there are other considerations besides, is it great writing? Is it outstanding mm-hmm. cinema? It's the takeaway. Right, true. And, and, and I refer to that all the time yeah. because it made such an impression on both of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Karate That's, Kid 3, who knew? Right. Who knew it was such a, a monumental film? It a mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny because it's like, yeah, as recently as you know, when we were growing up, there were still like relatively slim pickings for positive role models for girls outside of you know the Disney princesses that we've talked to death on this show. Yeah, but you know, finding active young girl roles. Like I think almost everyone I I grew up with was like, oh yeah, Harriet the Spy and Matilda. Like those were the two little <laughs> girls. Okay, so Pleasantville. Pleasantville. Uh, what are each of your history and relationship with this movie? It's one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, I loved it ever since the first time I saw it. And I remember seeing it and obsessing with it, mm-hmm. you know, over it. But yes, it's one of my favorites. I know damn near every word. Uh, <laughs> I, I love it. My parents, though, had not seen it, I think, since, it's ca- since it, came, since it came, out. came out. Yeah. yeah. And so I said to my dad, do you remember it? And he said, I, I do, but not, not as well. And my mom was the same thing. She mm-hmm. couldn't remember exactly. So we sat down, the three of us, one evening, and watched the film. Mm-hmm. And the best part for me was watching the two of them and they were really enjoying it. Because I didn't need to watch it again. Sure. I, I know it. <laughs> but but I liked watching them watch it. And so you, as a family, watch each other watch movies. Because you were watching Jesse watch <laughs> yes. Karate Kid. I suppose that's true. Well, it's, it, it is true. It's, it's, I'm, I'm very much, I'm a people watcher anyway. I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm very much like the I sit in corners and stare at people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with this, for me, I kept watching the two of them. And when it ended, my mom said, I can't believe I don't remember this movie. I love this. This is so good. Mm-hmm. She was really, really pleased with it. And I think you, and you had a similar reaction. I did. Really pleasant rediscovery. 
yeah. for me because mm-hmm. I had not seen it since it came out. I come to it from a slightly different perspective than any of you, <laughs> just on account of the fact I'm older. I grew up watching Leave It to Beaver and Father Knows Best mm-hmm. and Ozzie and Harriet mm-hmm. and all of those TV shows that didn't take place in the past. That was my present. Right. <laughs> that was my present day. So I lived my life and absorbed what they were telling me was the ideal, the ideal of American life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a baby boomer, mm-hmm. and these were baby boomer shows yeah. in the post-World War II era. And they were hugely popular. And they all had long runs, those sh- three shows I just named, mm-hmm. and then endless reruns. Mm-hmm. So they, they were always there. They were part of the fabric of American life. Mm-hmm. Jamie, what's your history? Um, I think that th- this was a movie that I th- I feel like was on IFC or the Sundance Channel like constantly when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So I saw this movie a bunch of times in high school, aided by my Tobey Maguire crush, sure. <laughs> which really made me uh, you know very likely to watch this movie more than once. Um, and I, I always really liked it. I hadn't seen it in I think four or five years. And there were some things that stood out to me at this point that I, I feel I feel almost a little silly for not registering for me sooner. Same. Uh, but I, I mean, I, in general, I still think it's a really f- fun movie. I forgot how uh, emotionally affected I was mm. by it. And um, yeah, I really like it. Yeah, it is a movie that I really love as well. Although, as you said, Jamie, there are some beats that happen especially like toward the end of act two where i'm like oh you're introducing this metaphor oh and then okay we'll talk about them miles gray is (laughs) upstairs and we were like oh yeah we're covering pleasantville today he's like oh yeah the movie about racism with only white people in it and we're like (laughs) yes and he's like oh cool (laughs) yeah so uh we'll we'll dig into that in a bit but um Yeah. yeah i i first saw this i think in probably i mean it came out in 98 i think i saw it in like 2000 and have been watching it pretty steadily since then but uh, yeah, uh, I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, I'll run through the recap and then uh, and then we'll go from there. So we meet David. That is Toby McGuire's character. He is a teenager. He's in high school. He's a I think they're seniors. I I'd imagine I think in so. high school. Um, he's he's a bit of a nerdy type, mm-hmm. and he's obsessed with a show called Pleasantville, which is this old timey black and white, very wholesome. Leave clean it to, it's Leave It to Beaver. Yeah. It's yeah. also Father Knows Best. Yes, and in this show Pleasantville, it's about a family with a, a mom and a dad and a teenage son named Bud and his sister Mary Sue. So, very nuclear. Very nuclear America. family unit. Yeah. Um, and then we meet David's twin sister, Jennifer. Uh, she's played by Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. She is this popular girl in school. She likes this bad boy. And she has made plans with him to watch this concert on MTV on that MTV. night. But it's at the same exact time as this Pleasantville marathon is happening that David wants to watch. This is a great 1998 <laughs> problem. There's a lot of 1998 problems at the beginning of this movie that I very much enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're fighting over the remote, and it flings against the wall accidentally and shatters. So this TV repairman 
shows up magically right then mm-hmm. and he sees how big of a fan david is of the show pleasantville and he gives him this special remote control you just said don Knotts. Yeah. see i would say don Knotts. <laughs> barney fife from the yeah. andy griffith show mm-hmm. uh the nervous man from the steve allen show I grew up with Don Knotts. <laughs> yeah. At, at Gary Ross, the filmmaker, mm-hmm. very cannily and deliberately cast Don Knotts sure. in that role because he knew it would get the kind of reaction I just had <laughs> from aging boomers. All the Don Knotts heads are coming that's out. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's, right. <laughs> that's totally what they're but called. I, but I interrupted. I oh, that's oh right. no, that's, that's what the recap's all about. So they've got this special remote control now, and... David and Jennifer continue to fight over it, and they accidentally hit this button that sucks them into the world of Pleasantville. (gasps) I like to wonder what happened to the two actors in Pleasantville. I'm like, where did they go to the 1990s? That would be fun, but we just don't know what happens to them. Pleasantville 2. Yeah. Unpleasantville. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) They're just horrified by 90s culture (laughs) the whole time. Right, because David becomes Bud mm-hmm. and Jennifer becomes Mary Sue. Right. So they're like, what the frick? What Get us out of here. Like, what's happening? And the Don Knotts character is like, no, you're staying. It begs the question <laughs> why this man is going around looking for teenagers to replace the current cast of Pleasantville. I like, love I his rationale. Know. Like he's just like I've been looking for people to do this for years. You're like, why Don Knotts? What? Why are you... wouldn't that ruin the show? Which, as we see, it does. <laughs> it does. Like, why would he do that? I kind of, I'm like, you know, I don't have to know, but I am curious why that was his. I never really thing. questioned the logic of it until this recent rewatch. But I was like, why does he do that? See, I just I don't just... question those. Yeah, things. yeah like I... that's the, the whole meeting on meeting on a movie's terms. Is it's like if you're saying that you want to send them back there, then that's where they go. Yep. I trust Don not <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> to move the plot forward. That's right. So they realize that they have to play along existing in the world of Pleasantville until Don Knotts shows up again and is willing to like discuss sending them back to their actual time. And so then they meet um, their mom and dad, Betty and George Parker, that's played by Joan Allen and William H. Macy. So David has an easy time fitting into Pleasantville because he knows the show so well. Mm. But Jennifer is like, this place fucking sucks because it's like this utopia of like wholesome pureness. No one has sex. Like books are blank. Nothing burns. Like all this stuff. Everyone's eating meat and cheese in (laughs) gigantic stacks. Right. But then this character, Skip Martin, played by Paul Walker, Walker, is like, hey, Mary Sue. I like you. Let's go on a date. Paul so, Walker is great in this movie. He is. He's such a little cutie pie. Watching him be all bamboozled. And <laughs> what was the part where he's just like, I don't know what's happening to my body. I was like, oh, my God. Paul Walker has a boner and he doesn't know what's going on. It's a great scene. So she takes him to Lover's Lane and they get into some heavy petting. And Caitlin. I know. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. This is um, a family show. Uh, which is all new to Skip, uh, as you just hinted at, Jamie, um, because, like, again, everyone in Pleasantville is basically asexual. So at the end of the night, Skip drives past this, like, rose bush, and one of the roses is no longer in black and white. It's red. And we're like, <gasps> the color are, of sin? Are, are this new bud and Mary Sue perhaps 
changing things in Pleasantville. So now this sort of incites th- these changes where teens are making out. They're listening to rock uh, music. Paul, there's that great scene where Paul Walker tells all the other teenage boys about sex. And yeah. they're like, what's that? Oh, yes. And then no one can shoot a basketball right. anymore. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and then more things are showing up in color. And then Bud's boss at the diner, Mr. Johnson, that's Jeff, Jeff Daniels, Daniels' character, he's like learning to be more independent and he's enjoying the changes. And he's like, I love painting. I want to paint more. But Bud is sort of like resistant to things changing. He's like, let's maintain the status quo here. Uh, and also, just, Bud's family life is terrible. His parents are divorced, right. they mm-hmm. fight all the time. So for him, Pleasantville is the escape he exactly. dreams of. So the reason he doesn't want things to change because he says, I love the idea of having my mom and dad home and loving each other and dinner on the table every night. Mm-hmm. Whereas Reese Witherspoon's character is saying, why the hell am I in this horrible bra and, <laughs> right. and I'm not allowed to talk to boys. There are no toilets here. Right. There, you know, all those sorts of things. Yeah. All of which were true in Father Knows Best and Leave it to Beaver and Ozzie and Harriet. Right. There were no toilets? <laughs> no, you never saw a bathroom. Well, oh, you could see a bathroom. Okay. You, you see a mirror, a vanity, mm-hmm. a sink, and a mirror. Right. But there was, it was kind of a, a joke. Right. You never saw a toilet. Yeah. And the beds, like married oh, couples. Separated. Separate separate beds. beds. Separate beds. Uh, I always think of I Love I mean, Lucy for that. Yeah, right. Same. Yeah, I Love same. Lucy is, is, is the same era yeah. and the same ground rules. Yeah. You may know that when Lucille Ball became pregnant in real life, mm-hmm. uh, they wrote it into the show. So Lucy Ricardo was pregnant. They could, couldn't use the word pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Whoa. Yeah. What did they say? Pregnant. Expecting. <laughs> She's expecting. Oh, okay, okay. But uh, those shows were, even at the time, but we didn't criticize them for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were not just idealistic. They were antiseptically idealist. Mm-hmm. And there were no four-letter words. There were no double entendres. Mm-hmm. There was no violence. There was no irony. No, no irony. irony. Yeah. It was all straight-faced and sincere. Mm-hmm. And America loved, America embraced these shows, mm-hmm. America of that time, mm-hmm. embraced these shows fully and wholeheartedly because they represented what was considered the ideal. And yes, they were all white. Yeah. They were whiter than white. Mm-hmm. And this black and white TV show presents a world that he would be very comfortable living in. It's his right. escape. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It would bring him happiness, he feels. Mm-hmm. Sure. So the next major thing that happens in the story is that Mary Sue teaches her mom about sex and masturbation. Mm-hmm. And then her mom gets into the bathtub, has a little fun little time with herself. That's well, what I call masturbation. I know. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> and she has an orgasm that causes a tree to spontaneously combust outside. <laughs> which is what happens every time a woman comes. True. That's how you know. Yeah, yeah. That's how you know. Which is not, more people should be talking about that. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. That's why there are so many <laughs> forest fires. <laughs> so then Bud goes to the fire department and then how to has to teach them how to put out fires. <laughs> But this uh, incites a curiosity in people where they're like, well, uh, fires? and all, But also, what's outside of Pleasantville? And what are these books about? And right. this girl named Margaret shows an interest in Bud, and they end up going out. And then Bud starts to, like, open up to things changing. Right. Um, meanwhile, Betty is vibing with Mr. Johnson. Mary Sue is turning down sex with Skip to read. 
instead. Right. Um, and then for the first time. For the first yeah. time in her life, pretty much, yeah. And then George, their dad, is freaking out about his like dinner not being ready change. on the table for him. Yeah, he's right. freaking out about change. change, as is the mayor and a bunch of other like old men in the community, and they are very resistant to all this change. Meanwhile, like the TV repair man is like, what are you guys doing to Pleasantville? And Bud's like, screw you. This is what you wanted, Don Knotts. Yeah. (laughs) You've made your bed. So basically the mayor is like, make Pleasantville great again and (laughs) tries to enforce like segregation because all these people are turning to color and they're yeah they 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 hit you over the head with with, with what they're metaphor, doing yeah they're like, well they're, they're afraid of the other the others right, right. and then but they i mean they go so far as to say like coloreds mm-hmm. yes like they right so, and they we'll, go for it we'll unpack that <laughs> there's like proud boys who are like burning books and vandalizing storefronts and stuff like that and also uh, Be- betty and um Mr. Johnson Betty and Mr. Johnson fall in love. They're they're beautiful. out there fricking. I love it. And the mayor creates this like code of conduct that prohibits all the stuff that has been changing about Pleasantville. And then in an act of defiance, it's very footloose. It's like no more dancing and fun music. <laughs> right. Only John Philip Sousa marches for you kids. <laughs> um, so in an act of defiance, Bud and Mr. Johnson paint a mural. An objectively ugly mural. But I, got, but I like the message. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's depicting all the uh, everything that's been happening lately. In vivid colors. Yes. Very yeah. vivid colors. There's a copy of my favorite part that I thought was silly on the mural was a copy of Catcher in the Rye flying to heaven. Yes. <laughs> it's yep. like, oh my God. Right. But sure, why not? So the two of them are put on trial Bud is defending them against the mayor, and he's trying to prove the point of, like, well, maybe some things are better than pleasant, like stuff like being silly or being sexy. And then he gets his dad to turn to color, and then the mayor gets so pissed off that he turns to color. (gasps) And then everyone goes outside, and the whole town is in color, and everything's changed for the better. Is, is the message of the movie. Right. And then Tobey Maguire goes back to the 1990s mm-hmm. to spread the message of... <laughs> I like to picture him going to his friends after being like, so I've been stuck in a TV. They're like, <laughs> oh my God, he's on DMT. Uh, but And then Reese Witherspoon decides to stay, stay. in Pleasantville. Yes. That's where it ends. And that is the well, movie. Well, she decides to stay in Pleasantville and pursue her studies right yes she says i've done the slut thing yeah Mm -hmm. and now she wants to try something different is also worth unpacking she's done yeah there's one word you haven't used in your in your description Mm. repressed yeah 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 that may be the ultimate adjective to describe all the people right and the society in which they live Mm -hmm. it is wholly and resolutely repressed Yes. Not just sexually repressed, but right. repressed in other, other ways, too. Which seems to be what makes it so appealing to David in the first place, where there's that scene that I, I mostly liked where uh, when they're still in the 90s and his mom is on the phone and she's having an argument about custody and all this stuff, and he's just watching Pleasantville and totally ignoring it and repressing yeah. mm-hmm. any of that. And you're like, oh, it makes sense that a very repressed uh, environment would be 
appealing to him. There's like, oh, no one has problems, and if they do, it's not discussed. Yeah. Sounds like the kind of place I want to be. <laughs> and he goes there. Mm-hmm. Um, where we know from the beginning that that's not Jennifer's deal at all. She's very forward about what she wants to do, and so, of course, she would hate it there. Right. Um, we got to take a quick break, but then we'll come right back after these messages. <laughs> this is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti LGBTQ bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. And we're back. Okay, so the big thing about this movie, my big issue with it, and then we can talk about some of the other stuff and we've already touched on this a little bit but the movie attempts to become this metaphor for because it's borrowing like language and imagery Mm -hmm. and other socially relevant things from civil rights era the the race subplot uh on this viewing didn't didn't do much for me even though i i understand you know contextually what they were trying to do i just didn't feel like this setup lend itself particularly well to making the point that they were trying to make. Um, And also that's introduced so late into the movie where it's like the movie's almost over and they're like, no, now it's about race. And you're like, why? Like, what? What? Um, Because the the world that's been established, which makes sense for the context of what the show Pleasantville would be, which would be an entirely white cast. But then that means that the world that everyone's existing in is made up entirely of white people and then to introduce this race metaphor using only white people just doesn't work when we're watching it through the lens of 2019 yeah that that part of the movie did not age well for me um but we're curious um, well it's see it's it's all a uh, yeah it's all a matter of of a perspective having grown up then mm-hmm. 
There were no black people on TV in those sitcoms that I can recall. Right. Certainly not in recurring roles, if at all. And being pre-civil rights, Mm -hmm. which all those shows were, although Mm -hmm. some of them drifted into the era, that was, for many people, a definition and an absolute snapshot of American life. I remember they did throw in, it sounds silly, but they threw in a couple of black people into the, like when you go to Pleasantville. There, I, that's like two, but they're there. Oh, really? Oh, I yeah. don't, mm-hmm. yeah. Which I, is it was why, so minimal that I see, didn't so, right. spot them. Sometimes it, but I think they did that. First of all, we, we are not big analyzers in general mm-hmm. um, because we watch so many movies. If we sat and went through absolutely everything, I think we'd all lose our minds. <laughs> but, uh, but also, Welcome to my life, our it, life. But also it's, it's the kind of thing where I don't necessarily think that everything has to be analyzed mm-hmm. deeply. And so for me, watching the movie, it would be weird if suddenly, instead of turning to color, they turned black. Like, that's not what you want to have happen. That's even no. stranger, you know? But I just that, felt like that, yeah. that would have worked yeah. at all. The racial... I'm, I'm just saying, it's to work that in, since they do choose to go down a race road, mm. um, it would have been stranger to suddenly have a black person pop up. So I think the the problem with this movie is that they are introducing this, like, civil rights metaphor into a story when they didn't need to do that. If it was just about sort of, like, the enlightenment of people in terms of, like, women's sexuality, which yeah, is the thing that thought... gets established, yeah. and then they leave the race thing alone because they're only, they only have white people with which to carry out whatever metaphor they're trying to carry out. Um, yeah, it just felt like wouldn't, wouldn't have they have taken a big hit? if they hadn't addressed it at all? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the Yeah, problem. I just think that there may have been a better way to to do it. I don't I don't know. And, and I don't have an idea as to what that may be. But for, I don't know. It just felt like the movie bit off a little more than it could chew yeah. in, in, in terms of, like, addressing all the evils of this era. Right. It didn't seem equipped to address civil rights if one of the particular things about the movie is because it takes place in this all-white sitcom how I don't know it's just like Mm -hmm. it almost seemed like it it for me it attacks the uh, women's sexuality and women's liberation so effectively that that seems like it was very well equipped to do that and not so well equipped to do you remember feeling any of those things then the first time I saw it no Mm -hmm. right because that's the other part of it and that's what is so tricky about looking back at movies yeah is that movie is now 20 years old Mm -hmm. which is crazy right first of all that's crazy (laughs) but it's 20 years old and it's really hard and I, I think I think the reason that my dad and I are sort of used to turning certain parts off is because we watch old movies I was you know my dad raised me on certain things and there's definitely stuff uh, that we'll watch sometimes that that I can't. The step and fetch it characters I have a really hard time with. Uh, do you know Ooh, that term? Okay. No, no. The these are, I mean, like so I, we saw well, Charlie well, Chan. Well, uh, th- there were stereotypes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Common stereotypes in movies for many decades. Uh, every Irishman was a cop. Yep. Mm-hmm. Every Chinese person was a laundryman or woman. Yeah. Every Italian was a uh, a grocer or a um, fruit vendor mm-hmm. or an organ grinder if you can believe that uh every greek person owned a diner and every black person was a pullman porter on railroad cars mm-hmm. or or a, a a personal maid to a, a fancy white woman so step and, and fetch it 
Stephen Fetchett was the name of a performer, a stage name of a performer. His name was Lincoln Perry, who played the laziest person on the planet. So because that was that was his his stage name, that became sort of a name used for that kind of a character. Mm-hmm. So a step and fetch it. And mm-hmm. you know Heckle and Jekyll and Dumbo? Yeah. That sort of a thing. But watching those today, mm-hmm. I sometimes will watch something and I'll say to my dad, I, this is too much. Like I can't, it, it hurts me to watch this. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we watch so many things where, I mean, you name it, happens. And so I think that we are used to turning parts off because you can't look at a movie with today's eyes you we just kind of compartmentalize can't. Mm-hmm. yeah when we watch i films. yeah i see what you're saying and i've had to like i mean when i even when i go to watch movies at the theater i often have to like you know take off my bechtel cast sure. goggles just to enjoy anything sure. right but what we so often find when we do analyze movies for this podcast is that the movies that we've seen, you know, pre two thousand eighteen, you know, like I mean, and and also two thousand eighteen, right, right, right. They send messages, or they ha- they erase certain things, or they portray certain people in certain ways that have negatively impacted society sure. at large. And on this podcast, you know, we have to be like, oh, you know, when I watched, you know, Indiana Jones growing up, like that. F- fucked me up there's all these characters I- white characters and brown face there's all these you know not good portrayals of women uh yeah. you know stuff like that so like yeah i know we have to in order to enjoy any entertainment kind of have to shut off our analytical brains sometimes but specifically I mean, though to me when it's older that that what, i don't yeah. mean right. now because if you walk in and see something like that now you go really guys right really guys right but if you're even just 20 years ago even there you start to hit these kind of roadblocks i think there is a way to have it both ways oh absolutely a little bit yeah absolutely. where it's it's like i when when i watch I, I totally agree with you where i when i watch movies for this show i watch it differently than if i'm just enjoying it sure um because otherwise you know it's just harder to enjoy things yeah. but it does i don't know it it's it's been helpful for me and it hasn't really like with some egregious exceptions, most of my favorite movies haven't necessarily changed as a result of turning off my compartmentalization to watch it. It's just, I don't know, just creates a more aware picture of something that I know I like. And it was, I mean, with this movie, which I still think is a good movie and, you know, it's still one of your favorites and it's just, I don't know, it's, it, it is interesting and I think it's a very entertaining movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's an entertaining movie that... I wouldn't call it a message movie, but it's a movie that makes a point or two. Yeah. So with the entertainment and the enjoyment. And, and some the of cast. The, Such and, a good cast. cast. Jenny Lewis Killer is cast. in this movie. And, so uh, and production design, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Stunning. Gene Oppelwall. That's the name I, I told so. you. Yeah, yeah, Gene Oppelwall, yeah. who's brilliant. And um, it leaves you with something to chew on. Right. Yeah. How hard you want to chew yeah. <laughs> is up to you. Yeah. Right. What I mean when I say that sort of the, the turning certain parts off, it's that we won't notice something. And then if you say, this made no sense or I don't like how that worked out, you, it, for both of us, we'll sort of go, yeah, that, that, yeah, that is a thing. <laughs> but when we watch something initially, we're pretty good at sort of not doing it. So how does this movie fare on the Bechdel scale? 
Well, we'll we'll find that out shortly. There's <laughs> okay. there's still a bunch to talk about uh, yeah. for me. The yeah. So ba- basically, the I think the biggest issue I have with this movie, and then we can get into some other stuff that I think we think the movie does effectively. Yeah, is just again to re- reiterate the fact that it's equating white people who have turned from being in like black and white to color color, equating them to actual people of color and then trying to make this metaphor just doesn't work when we're looking at it through today's lens so yeah it's a case of false equivalence and then sort of a weird victory lap at the end of like we solved racism in pleasantville Mm -hmm. it's like well that would be pretty easy to do (laughs) right because there are no people of color it's only white people um Uh, but uh with that we're going to take a quick break and uh, then talk about the portrayal of women yeah this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with purdue global when you come back with a purdue global degree you create opportunity for yourself your family and your future it's a degree you can be proud of a degree that employers will trust and respect purdue global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals these include associate bachelor's master's and doctoral degrees and certificates Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Could just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal History. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. And we're back. Yerp. So in terms of the female characters in the movie, one of the first things that I noticed upon this rewatch that I, I guess was like, kind of subconsciously aware of but like hadn't given it much thought until watching the movie for the podcast but i was like oh a woman's sexuality is what incites all the changes in pleasantville like that's the catalyst that gets things to start happening that's the catalyst i mean i think that there are some other things i think i mean women seem to prompt most of the changes Mm -hmm. inside and and there it was pretty sexually heavy at the beginning where Jennifer is the one who 
I thought pretty effectively, you know, meets Skip and is forward and like, this is what I want to do. And, oh, you don't know how to do this? Here's how you do it. Want to do it? Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do, do it. I should say do it more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then the same with Betty's character, who literally sets the town on fire uh, <laughs> by masturbating once. Right. But but then that that word repression. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's how repressed she was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 almost like a cartoon exaggeration. Right. But that's why it's such a funny moment. Right. It's a great, I mean, I love that, I forgot that moment happened because I just hadn't seen it in a few years. And I was like, oh my God, I, I guess that is I, what I, happens I, that is like the scene I remember from this movie. Oh, wow. Because it is, I think, the first movie I've ever seen where you see the suggestion of a woman masturbating. I have, yeah, and incredibly the suggestion rare. of a woman having having an orgasm in a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the first time I had ever seen that. And I was like, oh, what shit. What a difference 20 years can make. Yeah. yeah. No, but truly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, and it's still, I mean, I don't, it's still not super common, but that this was definitely one of the first movies where female masturbation was suggested right and visually implied as well in a way that didn't seem like talking down to it of like it literally is a catalyst it's, it's also change. discreetly filmed yeah. yes oh which yeah which i love i love the way that the thing that will drive us both nuts is anything gratuitous and that mm-hmm. is whether it's foul language where someone's saying fuck every five seconds mm-hmm. and somehow that's supposed to be le- you know the script funny or no whatever. uh it's lazy same kind of thing nudity when nudity fits and makes sense, none of us react to it. Not in a big way. Right. right. When someone is standing there naked and you understand that it's because they want them to stand there naked, that's when I say, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I appreciate about that scene especially is we all understand. No one needs to see what she's doing. We all get it. Right. Right. And whether it's, you know, whether it's just that she's pampering herself, that's the other part too is that if someone didn't know what she was doing, Let's just say someone younger watching it didn't know what she was doing. Yeah. They may just think that it, that she's pampering herself and she never does that. Mm-hmm. She's drawn a bubble bath. Which narratively the, could work the same. Of absolutely. Just like yes, her doing sure. something for you know, herself. Yeah, exactly. she, she lit candles. Exactly. She lit candles there. She's, yeah. she's in that bathtub having her time. So it could work either way. I wouldn't have minded that, but I, I think the good thing about the... I mean, I think it fits with the story, too, where, like, in what world of Pleasantville, the TV show, are you going to see, like, titties? Yeah. (laughs) Not. uh, And also, it just allows it to be PG-13. Right. And so, I mean, I think this is, like, a cool movie for young women to see. Right. I mean, and, like, gratuitous female nudity is something that we come up against a lot on this podcast where we're like... And the other thing is that oftentimes female sexuality is something that's villainized in a movie where a villain a female villain will be like overly sexual and that's something where we as the audience are meant to think like oh no she's like loose and that that's part of what makes her evil or whatever but in this movie the female sexuality change it's what leads to an increased curiosity from like different people in the community to be like basically like what's a fire and why does it what's the word I, burn. I, I, my favorite thing honestly is to McGraw going fire yeah fire <laughs> fire cat and every time it makes me laugh every single time cats do have eight nipples this is cat oh, facts with go. caitlin and i think it, it would have been such an easy lazy choice for the men to 
become sexually aware first and sort of gone gone in a more fratty direction with it. Sure. And the fact that Jennifer's character is basically the sex ed teacher She's for this entire world. Yeah. Right. Was really cool. And and the fact that I mean and there were like little moments where I thought Jennifer was was maybe uh, the character was sort of talked down to and made to be like, oh, she's like a high school slut. Like that was sort of Mm -hmm. the but she's so in charge of her own sexuality and so calling the shots at every point in the narrative. Right. And then where her character goes, where it seems like I mean, the rules for what makes you technical aren't cut. I mean, it's just like some emotional response or something new that is fulfilling to you because at first it seems like oh if you have sex now you're in technicolor but then that doesn't happen for jennifer because she's been having sex so it's like not new and exciting and what is new and exciting is education and learning stuff which was the one thing i was waiting to happen because i had never watched this movie with this lens before of like oh it would be a bummer if it was only sex that you know, activated sure. women, but but then you do see a few different things, and Jennifer's story was really I don't know I I forgot that that was her. Well, narrative. the mayor turning color is that he gets angry, right? But angry yeah. in such a serious way, he becomes unpleasant. He be- exactly, oh. exactly. <laughs> but that's it. Each person, do you say it's it's something within them? So it depends mm-hmm. on what you need it depends on sort of? who, yeah who they had been established previously yeah. and then they're mm-hmm. once they undergo their character arc whatever it may be that's sort of what is the catalyst for their changing of colors and then for david he changes colors when i'm just i keep whenever i say changes colors i think of the horse from the wizard of <laughs> oh, oz <yeah. laughs> but he changes colors when he has to defend his TV mom right. from the Pleasantville Proud Boys right. <laughs> who are lunging at her because there was a nude painting done of her by Jeff Daniels, which I do- does he ask her if that's cool or does he just do that? We don't. Uh-huh. That all happen- happens off screen. Okay. And I it have seems to like assume cool that it. she's consenting uh, to it. They, they very so. mu- yeah, it doesn't feel like he's done something terrible. Clearly. Right. Because she's not she mad wanted at him. It and then she's there with him painting which is so, true that's uh, true going off of like um the mary sue character like having all of her agency and uh, being sex positive essentially and like mm-hmm. s- spreading the gift of sex to people <laughs> that then inspires the betty character to also like have her agency when it comes to her sexuality because she's the one who keeps approaching bill johnson that's his name right yes yeah Jeff and she keeps like going to him and saying like let's let's experiment. I mean, we can presume a lot of this kind of happens off screen, but sure. we do see her approaching him, kind of with the intent of like, let's get naked. The women in this movie are forward and state what they want, and yeah. usually the the men are like, oh, sick. But yeah. then, <laughs> but then that would be a great line in the film. Uh, Jeff yeah. Daniels just goes, oh, sick. <laughs> you want to paint you naked? Radical. Someone says cool in this movie, and it's a oh, big cool deal. PJ. Cool, PJ. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but then where the Mary Sue character leaves off, I don't know quite don't like how to feel stays, about this. But... Well, even before that, where 
first she's the one whose sexuality like sets the wheels in motion for the whole town of Pleasantville. But then later when she chooses like reading and studying over sex. And then she says later on, like I tried the slut thing. It got kind of old. Yeah. I didn't like that It's one. great that she's like trying to enrich her life intellectually, but then that means she ends up sacrificing her sexuality, which well, we don't know if I, that's I, kind true. of a mixed message. I, I don't think that I think okay. that, yeah. I think that her saying, I've done the slut thing is her sort of saying that I've tried different parts of myself. Mm-hmm. I've looked at different parts of myself. So now it's the sort of thing where you feel like she'll do it when she wants to. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that's the difference is as opposed to doing something because she has a reputation or she wants she was to, trying be to be cool. more popular. You know, and, she wants yeah, right. she, she has that she's leading the, you know, the women and stuff like that. It's it's in this case, she's sort of saying this is what I want to do right now in the same yeah. way that when Skip comes to her window is like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and she's like, I'm studying. She said, but I thought we could go and do sh- I'm studying. And she closes it. Yeah. Right. So that's sort of, to me, it's more so that, that it's her saying, I've made the decision that this is my focus now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's saying to, like, and I'll never have yeah, sex right. again. <laughs> and the nunnery is next. Because <laughs> right. no, yeah. we do see a shot of her at the very end at university. Mm-hmm. And she's like flirting with a man and yeah. she's got a book open in her lap in front of her so yeah she's having it she's having it all she's got it all that's great another thing that kind of not necessarily rubbed me the wrong way but is at least worth mentioning is that the thing that gets jennifer to want to play along in pleasantville is a man so it like and that makes sense for her character like she had been established as this kind of like a boy, boy crazy, crazy yeah. Teen, but the fact remains that a woman is motivated in a movie to engage with what's happening in the story by a man. Oh, I think you could say the same thing of the Betty character if if that's the that's yardstick true. we're using because she, I mean, yeah, I mean Betty gets. It's interesting because I love the relationship between Jennifer and Betty, and I almost wish we saw a little more of that because the scene that we the scenes we see them together in are so like they're great and they're talking to each other about stuff that women were not supposed to talk to each other about and learning and educating each other. But then, I mean, I guess this would probably be realistic for that time. But Betty, you know, goes from one man to another man and so it's a combination of you know she gets some of the motivation from what she learned from Jennifer but would she have left her husband if there weren't a Jeff Daniels waiting in the wings we don't know but Um, see we don't know that they get together my dad and I were talking about this oh interesting because you see that she goes to him Mm -hmm. but we don't see her with him and at no point do we see her because I say we were just talking about this in the car yeah she does what she wants to do. And if she did, I, what I feel like is if she did just go straight to Jeff Daniels, everything would sort of be lost. Right. Because yeah. then you go, well, all the stuff you just did, you just went from one man to the other. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't know that. And that's why the very Ooh, end okay. where you see the three of them sitting on the on bench, park bench yeah. it's sort of like, yeah, she, she can do whatever she wants. So we don't really see I anything. Like that better. But that's, <laughs> that's it. Great. You don't yeah. really see anything that tells you that now she's with him. Mm-hmm. We understand that they sort of had a romantic night, but we don't know what they're going to do from there. He really Jack Dawson's her. <laughs> right. <a little> bit. <laughs> he does a Jack Dawson glass mural. I want to paint you. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Uh, that's that is a relief. I guess. Yeah. I sort of was like projecting that foregone conclusion. I I hope. Yeah, that Betty's character. You know, she she explores her options. I yeah. think if she wants to get together with Bill, 
she can do that. Yeah. But the difference is wanting. Right. She wants to choose this person. Mm -hmm. And that is a big difference to everything else. Yeah. Right. Because her arc basically goes from her starting out as this like cheery housewife who's making the meals for the kids and the husband. (laughs) She's eat up. Yeah. (laughs) Subscribing wholly to this to the status quo of Pleasantville. And then she learns about sexuality and she knows her husband won't go for it. So she masturbates and pleasures herself poor william h Maisie. when they cut back to him when she's in the bathroom and he's, and he's like, trying to get comfortable he's and in he's his like, twin oh, size bed like just, ah. <laughs> so funny and then shortly after that she turns to color but she's too ashamed and she's not really ready to embrace this another repression moment right so she covers herself all up with makeup and that's a very sweet moment though yeah with her with and her mcguire yeah. that's a very sweet it's moment. a very tender um because on the one hand obviously she's trying to hide that she's turned a color but at the same time that's a really sweet moment with them mm-hmm. and then of course later on when they when jeff daniels rubs off the makeup that's oh. the other weeping right yeah like, oh, you're beautiful so... just the way you are exactly. which right. is like i loved i loved that scene with her and toby mcguire especially because it was i mean she you could see the repression and the shame of like i've changed and i i'm not ready for people to know that and he you know, even though he knows, you know, she'll probably she may be happier if she, you know, is just herself in the world. He like accepts that she's not ready and in helps her moment, out. It's and not she, appropriate. It's very she, nice. She will be. She knows she will be ostracized. Yeah. yeah. If not burned at the stake. Yeah. Right. You know? By the Pleasantville Proud Boys. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh huh. Oh boy. Um, and then where her arc ends is well before the kind of conclusion of her character arc. We see William H. Macy's character being like, where's my dinner? Like still expecting her to be like the homemaker, caregiver role. And then whenever he confronts her about it, she's just like, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Because he's like, he right. lays down some like terms and conditions. Like, you're going to go to this town meeting. You're going to cook real me dinner at six deal. o'clock every yeah. day. Yeah. I like that he's made out to be like the doofus idiot who we're yes. not supposed to like in that scene. And she's just like, no, right. I'm going to do whatever i want and you can't do anything about it right and i mean and then you get the like sincere growth of his character too where he i mean we see him be like i don't know how to i'm eating olives uh yes. which relatable <laughs> well, and uh, as moment, someone who can't cook court, and eats olives a lot. you just, you just, <laughs> lots of olives yeah lots of them yeah the scene went in the courthouse where toby mcguire is talking to william h macy and mm-hmm. in that moment saying doesn't she look beautiful don't you love her and He's crying, and you're yeah. just like, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. Right. Uh, because there, too, it's a nice thing. They don't make William H. Macy's character evil. No. He's not a bad man. Where The mayor is sort of seen as this oafish. I think he's as yeah. close to a villain as we yeah. get. That's it. Yeah. 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 But William H. Macy, if he was terrible, then you would have no, yeah, leave him. Why would you want to be with that guy? But he's not that. This he's just is clueless. Just, yeah, this, yeah. But this is also what he knows. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like the in that courtroom scene where Toby McGuire's trying to basically get William H Macy to turn to color. Yeah, he's saying like it's not just the cooking and the cleaning that you yes. enjoy. Maybe it's because you actually like her for her personality. Yeah. And it's like... And it never occurred to him It before. never occurred to him, <laughs> which like is a very cartoonish thing, but also but these innocent. are cartoonish characters. 
Yeah. I really so. ended up appreciating like the the William H Macy character something that I don't think is super common in movies even now is to see a male character who has entirely the wrong idea about women who is, you know, spoken to directly and then is made to seem capable of change. I feel like that is something I'd like to see more of in movies because it is like cathartic and exciting for me to see a guy be, you know, punished for being an asshole. And I'm all for seeing that. But also I think for like male moviegoers, especially like young male moviegoers, that can be a positive thing to see some someone who is not treating women the way they should be and then seeing them be called out and then begin to change and making that seem like a viable course of action is something that like younger boys should see more of. Well, as much as I was concerned for Jesse growing up not having good female role models, Mm -hmm. I was also, (laughs) just as a person, aware that there weren't very many good male role models yeah, either. Yeah, almost none. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> Which is uh, crazy because uh, there's so many. <laughs> you know, uh, where were, again, nuance, mm-hmm. uh, three-dimensional characters, something to pattern yourself, pattern your life after. Oh, that, that guy really has his act together. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> and he is, he's smart, he's capable, he's... Uh, I don't want to keep using the word enlightened, but that's the one that seems to come to mind. Yeah. Sure. And uh, and there are damn few of those yeah. Yeah. then or now. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Something I love, and I, I thought about this then and I think about it now, but the whole thing of, of both Jeff Daniels and William H. Macy being good people mm. means that it's not an easy decision. And the film that I, I always relate that to is The Notebook. Now, I'm not a diehard notebook person. <laughs> I like the movie fine, but I, you know, it. But, <laughs> sure. but I've always really appreciated that the two men she had to choose from, from were good men. Ryan Gosling and James Marsden. James Marsden. Yeah. Can I you mean, imagine that is choosing a choice. between? It's ridiculous. That is a choice. But the whole thing is, you know, normally there's the there's like say, the Jack Dawson and you know and Rose where she's with a terrible man. So, uh, so there's no question. But that's, there's no question icon. that you know she should go to to the other guy. It's much more complex to say. Both of these are good options. Mm-hmm. Right. And so with and Joan Allen, but that's if Joan Allen, you know, if William H. Macy's character was one dimensional and just like, I don't care about you, I just want my food, then it's no question. Go 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 to the other guy. Yeah. But when you layer it and mm-hmm. you say, No, it's not cut and dry like that. It's not that simple. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate doing something different. Absolutely. You know? And then I think with, like, the Tobey Maguire character and his different, like, whether he's being David or whether he's being Bud, like, he's a sensitive guy who is, like, there's a whole scene where he puts makeup on his mom. Like, how many, like... (laughs) But then the last scene with him and Jane Kaczmarek. Right, exactly. Same thing. Where he's comforting her because, you know, she's having romantic problems with her boyfriend or whatever yeah he's cleaning up her makeup yeah so that's it's obviously a callback that you see you know you see him with joan Mm -hmm. allen doing it now he's doing it with his real mom but that makes that moment so much more tender uh, yeah because you you believe and i I feel like and his character doesn't go from like bad to good he just goes from repressed to less repressed Yeah. yeah which is like a cool a cool arc to see someone go through 
Um, any other final thoughts about the movie? I think it holds up really well in general. Mm-hmm. I think it holds up really well. Mm-hmm. The performances still all feel real. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the thing. The pieces, even if the whole is not perfect, to sure. me the pieces are absolutely worth it. And if you can sort of deal with the other stuff, of course, someone watching it for the first time is going to have a completely different experience. And that's true of all movies. Sure. If you love something, you love it. And so I can't look at it now and say, well, let me be completely objective. I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I love the movie. I've seen it a million times. Right. But uh, I, I do think, compared to some especially, it holds up well. Yeah, I think aside from like the very like late 90s idea of like progressivism of like, sure, yeah. sure, sure. White people who turned to Technicolor is the same thing as the civil rights movement. But aside from, aside from that, like, yeah, I, I do genuinely think this movie holds up pretty well. I still enjoy it. I'll still watch it. Um, I just have to point out that there's, like, trivia in the beginning where uh, David's, like, practicing for the yeah. the marathon. And one of the questions is, what did Bud and Mary Sue name the cat that they found in the gutter? Mm-hmm. The answer is marmalade which oh, just, i, I have thought to, of you for that you know paddington is, uh, <laughs> is his favorite food so just have to mention just shout out to paddington is there a part you feel like alfred molina would have played well in this movie oh i think he would have been a good mayor because he's oh you know what he plays <gasps> basically the villain well he plays basically that same character in chocolat i know i so would it's like, like to see him, i'd <laughs> like to see him as mr johnson i was gonna say i would i would oh, as sure. i love i love jeff daniels but i love alfred molina in a romantic role sure yeah <laughs> that would be my pick okay yeah that's great those that's my final thought on the movie <laughs> Does this movie pass the Bechdel test? Yes. It does. It does a couple times. A few of them are just like very throwaway moments where Joan Allen is like, I just love that sweater on you, Mary Sue. It's so flattering. She says, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> um, and then there's a, a couple other like, have breakfast now or like, get off to school. Okay. And she's like, oh, I'm not hungry. But the the big scene is the one where... Jennifer, as Mary Sue, is teaching Joan Allen's character about sex. They're doing the dishes. Yeah, they're they're doing household chores, but they're talking about masturbation, which begs the question, where did Mary Sue and Bud come from if Joan Allen's character has never had sex? (laughs) Well, they live in a a universe where uh, they started by existing. That's your problem with two people going into a TV show? It's like, where's the sex happening? Where where aren't they having sex? Uh, Yeah, I guess it's just like the stork brings the baby. That's the whole thing. They all showed up when season one started, and they were the way they were. That's right. So, but yeah, there's there's a fairly long scene where she's like, yeah, again, well, they're talking about heterosex, so sure, yeah, whether or not that passes the Bechdel test is up for debate because You're she's talking time. about like having sex with a man, but then, I but mean, then it turns to to masturbation. I would which... give that scene a pass for that reason. Yeah, I think of, so. Like it, the the context for me is like sex for pleasure. And like sex for female pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not about men, it's about them. Yeah. yeah. The man is the tool, literally. The, right. But <laughs> he's the vessel. Not, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'll give this a pass for sure. Yeah. Uh, so that, I mean, that, I just loved that scene in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same. Shall, shall we rate the movie? Let's rate it on our nipple scale, zero to five nipples, based on its portrayal of women. <laughs> um, I think. 
I'm going to go with a three. Um, I'm going to take some nipples off because of the the whole discussion we've already had regarding like, oh, white people solving racism. That's my big problem with the movie. But then um, looking at, yeah, I mean, the female characters who have agency especially in terms of their own sexuality the margaret character we didn't really talk about a lot or at, at all but that's the teen woman who bud Marley ends Shelton. up yeah, yeah ends up dating she kind of really only exists in the story to kind of like further develop bud's character right. and she doesn't really have any bearing on the story so she's just kind of like one of these f- sort of flat one-dimensional characters but yeah, of the characters, we do get to know Betty and Mary Sue slash Jennifer. Yeah, I really like the the message that they help perpetuate in the story. Uh, and yeah, so I'll give it a th- three nipples. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll give all of them to the cat named Marmalade, who we never meet on screen. Although maybe that's the cat that gets saved by the fireman yeah. Oh, yeah. in the very beginning. Be. Marmalade visibility is high. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna strictly do this rating based on how this movie treats women, uh, because I mean, I, I also did not care for the way that this movie tried to throw in civil rights uh, in the kind of this bizarro way. Uh, but strictly based on how the movie treats women, I'm gonna give it a four. Only docking it really for the the B characters that are kind of a, a little bit tropey, like the the you know the friends in the '90s and the '50s mm-hmm. are kind of you know like reductive bimboy characters. Uh, and then I, I, I sort of agree with you about Margaret's character. It seemed like there was more there, but there just wasn't yeah. time or real estate given. But they are very sweet uh, together. Yeah, they yeah, were right. definitely sweet. I just, I don't know anything about that character outside of she's sort of, you know, there to move yeah. his, his storyline Is there also like a Garden of Eden reference where she's like, here, oh, take with, that with the red apple. apple. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Biblical biblical imagery. I mean, the Bible is, of course, a feminist text. Mm. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, in general, I really like that women becoming less repressed and challenging norms uh, is the catalyst for really most of the change in the movie. And I uh, thought it was really well done. I still I still enjoy it. So I'll do four. Mm-hmm. I'll give uh, one to Reese. Two to Joan and one to Paul Walker. Because why not? Why not? Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, four nipples, yeah. Cool. Solid four. Yeah. I'm giving a solid four, too, on that basis. Yes. Cool. Sounds great. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it. Happy to be Loved here. Loved having you. Uh, is there anything you would like to plug? Where can people follow you online? He is at Leonard Malton. I'm at Jesse Malton on Twitter and Instagram, and he has a Facebook page. And there's LeonardMalton.com, mm-hmm. and he writes movie reviews there and does book roundups and that type of stuff. And then May 10, 11, 12 is Malton Fest. Ooh, tell us about that. very first film festival. That's exciting. It's a hidden gem film festival. So we're not showing new stuff. We're, we're showing recent movies that flew under the radar for recent, most people. Recent, but also some older ones yeah. just to keep mm-hmm. things interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's the idea of just it's, it's film appreciation. And our, our goal always in kind of everything we do is community. Mm-hmm. Um, the internet does not treat... <laughs> People don't treat each other very nicely 
And, yeah. uh, and I think that it's really important to continually get them away from the computer and into real life. We want to, we want to bring people together. Yeah. Movie love. You want to take them Absolutely. out of Pleasantville, the show it's they're stuck in. That's right. To yeah. the put real them into world. the real yeah. world. We're going to bring people together. We're going to do it in the heart of Hollywood. Yep. At the, oh. Egyptian, at the Egyptian Theater. The Egyptian. That's so exciting. So, uh, and, uh, we're, we're very excited about it. And it's over it. Mother's Day weekend. Cool. So uh, on the Sunday, my mom, we're having like a Mother's Day thing for her and... Oh, you can bring so your mom. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. oh, so cool. We'll check that out yeah. and, and listen to Malton on movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, thanks again Thank for, for being Thank here. You so much. You can follow us on social media at Bechtelcast. You can go to our website, Bechtelcast.com. We've got our episodes there. We've got our merch store there. You can, merch? Yeah. Like merch. what's on my merch? Like what you're yes. wearing oh, right yes. now. Oh, yes. Jesse came correct. That's right. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, yeah. I bought this after, right after we first met. No, oh, no way. Kidding. The day of meltdown when we had Alfred Molina on our show. Wow. Which, and that's oh, the day we met you guys. That That is actually necessary context for this episode was, yeah, uh, Aristotle. The world's best engineer. The world's best engineer, a shared engineer at that's the right. table, found out through Jesse that Alfred Molina was going to be on Meltdown and Movies. So I took the day off. Uh, Caitlin and I went to Meltdown and I was I totally whipped out and I was too afraid to talk to him. Fast forward a year and a half, he was on the show. Wow. Isn't and now we're best the friends. loveliest human being. He's, he's perfect. Such a delight. I adore him. I absolutely adore guy. him. Oh, he's but, yes. And of course, uh, an, an astonishing actor. Oh my he's God. So One of the good. greatest actors, yeah. honestly, living. He's, he's incredible. Totally agree. Oh, friend of <laughs> yes. the show. Friend Alpha of the show. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of, you can get feminist icon Alfred Molina merch. We've it's also true, got which he was low key horrified. By. <laughs> I think he loved it. You, uh, you can get other Sometimes. merch designs like uh, queer icon, feminist icon, um, strong female protagonist, as well as a few newer ones. The whole bit, yeah. So check out our T Public yeah. store as well. We yes. have merch on T Public. Oh hell yeah! Movies. Yep. Grab some of that We're while there. you're at it. March it up. And uh, also, don't forget about our Patreon, a.k.a. Matreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. It's $5 a month, and you get two bonus episodes every month, including all of the backlog of all of our past Matreon episodes. We're so, addicted to creating content. We simply so can't stop. Addicted. Yeah. So check that out, and uh, we'll, we'll be here next week. Bye. Bye. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. 
Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.